Happy Easter. A word of welcome before I get started. Welcome to you who are here for the first time. We are very, very glad that you are with us this morning. And those of us who call this place our spiritual home, welcome you in the name of our risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Thank you for being with us today. Welcome back to those of you who, for a variety of reasons, may have been away for a while. It is good to see you again and know, too, that we are very glad to have you back among us. And finally, welcome to all of you who would rather be somewhere else this morning. Maybe you are back from school and your parents made you come here today. Maybe you had a round of golf planned for this beautiful morning, but someone reminded you that Easter Day means church day. You did the right thing by coming here. It's good to listen to your parents. It's good to listen to your spouse. And if nothing else, maybe you can use this uh, as leverage in some way in the future. Welcome. It is really, really good to be with you in this beautiful place on this beautiful Easter morning. Now, I want to start by making the obvious even more obvious, just in case you were wondering. I am not Luis Leon. We aren't trying to trick you. We aren't trying to reenact the scene that you just heard from John's gospel where Mary thinks that Jesus is the gardener. I am not Luis in disguise. Those of you who come to St. John's regularly know the reason why Luis isn't here, but I've been asked by Luis to read this brief message with you all this morning. This, This is what he writes to you. I send all of you my Easter greetings, and I want to let you know how much Lou and I wish we could be with you. As many of you know, on Monday, March 7th, I fell while playing tennis and severed my right quad tendon. The surgery to reattach it was successful. That deserves a hallelujah, he says. And he says, now I am recuperating at home. I look forward to being, with, being among you next Sunday when presiding Bishop Michael Curry will be our guest preacher, and I wish you all a blessed and joyful Easter day. I invite you on this beautiful morning to continue to keep our rector Luis and his wife Lou in your prayers for a quick and speedy recovery. We want them here back with us again very, very soon. So I wonder, <clears throat> I wonder if you, like me, have ever had a praise Jesus, it's Sunday sort of week. Anyone ever find yourself saying that? Praise Jesus, it's Sunday. Maybe you've had a stressful week, a sick kid, a tough week at work or something else, and you just need to be in church. Praise Jesus, it's Sunday, you find yourself saying. I, I found myself saying that very thing as I was waking up getting ready for church early, early this morning. It's been a bizarre week, to say the least, for us here at St. John's Church. Luis is recovering from his unexpected injury. I developed a head cold about a week ago, and our diocesan bishop, who was scheduled to preach on Good Friday, had to have an emergency appendectomy on Thursday afternoon. (laughs) She's fine. She's doing well. She's resting and recovering. But Sarah and I found ourselves laughing on Thursday at the strangeness of all of this week. So I I'm very glad that it's Sunday. I'm very glad that it's Easter Sunday. Praise Jesus, it is Easter Sunday. (laughs) There was an obituary in the magazine Vanity Fair on Friday. It was written by Sam Roberts, one of the obit writers for the New York Times. Vanity Fair asked the writer to imagine how the family and friends of Jesus of Nazareth would have reported the news of his death. Here is a bit of what Mr. Roberts wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, a Galilean carpenter turned itinerant minister whose appeals to 
piety and whose repute as a healer had galvanized a growing contingent of believers died on Friday after being crucified that morning just outside of Jerusalem, only days after his followers had welcomed him triumphantly to the city as the Anointed One and the Son of David. He was about 33. For a man who had lived the first three decades of his life in virtual obscurity, he attracted a remarkable following in only a few years. And then a few paragraphs later, he says, He was accompanied eventually by a dozen disciples, mirroring the twelve tribes of Israel. He was unusually receptive to women and forgiving to sinners and even to reviled tax collectors. Despite his anti-establishment rhetoric, he acknowledged the right of Rome to collect taxes. And then he ends this obituary by saying, After running afoul of the Jewish elite in Jerusalem for blasphemy and his arrest on Thursday, Jesus was sentenced to death by Governor Pontius Pilate. The Jewish authorities lacked jurisdiction to impose capital punishment. The charge, in effect, was treason for claiming to be king of the Jews, the anointed one, Messiah in Hebrew and Aramaic, Christos in Greek. After he was declared dead on Friday night, he was buried nearby in a cave. On Sunday, his disciples reported that the body was missing. It's a good obituary, maybe a few hundred years too late, but it's good. (laughs) Go and check it out if you have some time this week. It highlights the bits and pieces of Jesus' life that we all know well. I don't like the ending, though. On Sunday, his disciples reported that the body was missing. Would we be here if that was it? Would we be here if this were just some sort of grave robbery? The gospel writer John writes that early on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the large stone in front of it had been pushed aside. After running to fetch Peter and John, we're told that they run back to the tomb, they see the burial clothes lying in the tomb, and then they go back home, believing. Mary stands outside the tomb weeping, uncertain of what has happened, worried about her Lord's body, and then two angels robed in white appear to comfort her. And then, in case the scene isn't crowded enough already, the gardener appears, or someone mistaken for a gardener appears. It's not until he says her name, Mary, that she recognizes that this man isn't there to tend to the lilies. It's not until he says her name, Mary, that she realizes that this is, this is her Jesus, and he's alive. And then off she goes, running, bursting, announcing the news to the others, I have seen the Lord. It's important for us to say here today, the Easter message, the Christian message, isn't that Jesus' body went missing and so now we remember a good guy who did some really great things. No, that is not what we are saying here today. That's not what Mary said. That's not what Peter said. Did you hear his words in our first reading from the book of Acts? This is what he said. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. We say boldly, we say loudly as witnesses with hope and joy in our hearts, I have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. Christ is alive Christ is risen. Alleluia. 
That's what we say as we gather here today. It's as our new presiding bishop said in his Easter message to the church, this story is no fairy tale. This resurrection is very real. Praise Jesus, it's Easter Sunday. After a week where we've witnessed another terror attack, I want to tell you that I need to hear again the story of resurrection, the story of new life, the story of love conquering evil, love conquering hate, love conquering intolerance and pain and death, even death on a cross. And I'm convinced that resurrection is what points us to the answer of how we as people of faith are called to respond when we see evil things happening in our world over and over and over again. We are resurrection people. We are not Good Friday people, but we live in a Good Friday world. But here's the thing. We don't have to wait for something else to happen before we start to act. We can act now. We can move now. We can be witnesses to the gospel's power to change and transform and heal a broken and hurting world right now. When Mary sees the stone rolled away, she starts to run. And then when she tells Peter and John, they start to run. They act immediately. They run to the empty tomb. They see the burial clothes. And then they go out and share this good news. I have seen the Lord. I wonder, are, are we willing to leave the burial clothes behind? Are we willing to leave behind those, those symbols, those realities of death? Are we willing to leave behind the burial clothes of sin and violence, injustice, arrogance, xenophobia, racism, sexism, and fear? If we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then I think that we can. In Christ, we can rise beyond all of those things. In Christ, we can live again for each other and for God. Death is not the final word. The tomb is empty and love wins. We don't need to wait for more evil, more hatred to creep into our lives before we can proclaim this message to all the world. Love wins. Today, Jesus Christ is speaking to each one of us by name, just just as he did to Mary Magdalene. He is saying, go, run, tell the others. Don't hang on to me or on to the symbols of death. Go out and change the world in the name of love. And so I wonder, what What are you expecting as you come to the empty tomb this morning with Mary and Peter and John? Are you expecting to find things just as they were when we left the other day on Good Friday? Are you expecting to find Jesus dead in the tomb? Or are you expecting to find something new, something something different, something wonderful? What, What are you expecting as you come to church today? If you're just expecting beautiful music and pretty flowers and lots of folks dressed in their finest attire and eggs later on and good food and lots of people, then you'll probably find all of those things here. And and none of those things are bad, by the way. They are all, in fact, quite wonderful. But but if you are coming to church today, like, like those first disciples, hoping and trusting and believing, then I'm convinced that you will find so much more than you can imagine. Mary came to the church came to the tomb expecting to find a dead body. When she got there, she was greeted by angels and her risen Lord. What are you expecting today? The good news for us today and every day is that because Jesus Christ lives, we too can live without fear. We can live without fear of rejection, without fear of reproach, without fear of the unknown. 
Peter Gomes, the great Christian preacher, once wrote that Christ goes before us in all things. Christ went to the cross, we need not fear the cross. Christ went to the grave, we need not fear the grave. Christ has gone into the future, we need not fear the future. Christ inhabits all of life, we need not fear any part of life. We need not fear any part of life because Jesus Christ is alive. What is the the Easter message that we are sent out to share? It's, It's this, that resurrection has overcome crucifixion, that there is more mercy in God than there is sin in any one of us, and that when we do Christ's work of healing, Christ's work of helping, Christ's work of loving in this world, in this world, we never, ever do it in vain. Praise Jesus, it is Easter. And may that living Christ lure you, prompt you, goad you, cajole you, call you, encourage you, whatever it takes each and every day of your life so that you can go out and share the good news of the resurrection in this Good Friday world. Today, let us go out saying, we have seen the Lord. Alleluia. Amen.